So if you've been um, tracking with us uh, over the last few months at Forest Town Church, you would have known that we've been doing a series on 1 Peter. And it's my joy this morning to be able to continue our series into 1 Peter. We're looking at 1 Peter 5, if you have your Bibles. And, um, and yeah, this is, a, this is a wonderful passage we're going to be reading because we've been talking about this series on, on living hope. And I don't know about you in your life, but sometimes hope is exactly what you need. Maybe you're in a season now where things are going well and things are, you know, you're, you're thriving and you're feeling um, excited and there's things you're looking ahead to. And that's a wonderful place to be and it's a wonderful um, place and the space to be. And there's sometimes in life where, where trials come and sufferings come and challenges come and it knocks us a little bit. And one of the things that, that God gifts us with in a church is, is one of them is community, knowing that you're not alone. One of the things that's a wonderful gift, isn't it, when you have people who come around you during those times of difficulty and they encourage us. But another thing that God gives us, uh, which we're going to be speaking about today, is, is leaders uh, and, and leaders in the church who are, are looking out for you and are caring for you and are preparing a way for you and overseeing things uh, ahead of you uh, so that when those times come, you're not alone, that you have been led, that you've been encouraged, that you've been um, nurtured through those difficult seasons. And I'm sure a lot of us have experienced that in our lives, people who, you know, key people in our lives, maybe you've been part of a different church or part of this church where key leaders have spoken a word in season into your life. Or somebody's come alongside you in a season and they've, they've blessed you with, you know, just, just caring for you and caring through you through a difficult time when a loved one was in hospital or you were ill. And that's what we're talking about today in 1 Peter 5. It's um, Peter speaking as an elder, speaking to other elders, encouraging the elders, the leaders of the church, to be people who shepherd and oversee and care for the flock. So before I really kick in, why don't I, if you join me in prayer, uh, just as the Lord leads us and that his word would speak true for us this morning. Father, we've, just, we've sung about your, your goodness. We've sung about um, how, Lord, you are the, the Lord of heaven and earth, and that there is no one like you. And I thank you, Lord, in your wisdom um, that you established the church and you established and put and elders in place to care for the flock. And I pray, Lord, this morning as we, um, whatever our experiences of church leadership and leaders in our lives, that we would choose to surrender first and foremost to you as our good shepherd. And as we do, that we would hear your word clearly and we would hear your wisdom, Lord, to our lives and how you speak to us, Lord, through people who care and love us as leaders in the church. So I pray for your blessing of your word. As it goes out, it would fulfill its purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're looking at 1 Peter 5, so why don't you open your Bibles with me? We're just going to read 1 Peter 5, verses uh, 1 to 3. And um, Peter's speaking to the elders. So Peter, in his letter to the elders, says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. For shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Cool, cool, cool. 
So 1 Peter is a book that we've been studying for months, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a letter that Peter wrote to the church and the church that is suffering, the church that is in undergoing severe challenges, persecution, opposition from all sides. And one of the blessings that Peter wants to give us is that during those times of challenges and uh, when we're knocked for six a little bit, uh, when, when things aren't going well in our faith, he gives us leaders. He gives us encouragers. He gives us elders in the church who watch over our souls. I'm not sure about you what you feel about leadership in the church. Um, sometimes you see churches with very formal leadership structure, very formal. You may think of things like archbishops, bishops, um, um, and you have reverends, and you have all these different layers and tiers of leadership within church. Okay, that's fine. That's good. It's a good thing to have order and structure. Then you might see leadership in other areas of our lives as well. Uh, right now in our political sphere, um, we will be losing a leader uh, very soon in the top office in our country. And there's a leadership contest happening right now where people are vying for the leadership of the country, which again is a pretty important role when you think about um, where we are as a nation. Somebody who's going to take the country forwards and bring leadership. And um, sometimes we see leadership failures as well, don't we? We see sometimes the joy and expression of leadership success and people who have led us well and people who have exper experienced great leadership. But we've also seen the failure of leadership, unfortunately, in different spheres. And for many of us, I think leadership, unfortunately also in the church, has caused a lot of pain for us. Maybe you've been in a church where leadership has, for whatever reason, for whatever situation, has, has not met up to the needs and expectations of the people or has failed. And that's, that's painful to hear and see. But I think for us as people, uh, I say this lovingly, uh, and maybe your, 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 your hair on your back is going to kind of spike up in a bit, but actually as people, we need leadership. We need leadership. And that's not because we're unable people, and not, that's not because we're, we're, we're not good enough in ourselves in some way or we're lack of, we lack something. But actually, it's because without leadership, without people reaching to our lives, actually, we tend to go in one direction, which is this direction. We tend to go in a way which we think is right. We judge ourselves. But we were never created to act in that way. We were never created to only basically go with our wisdom. Let me read something to you which really struck me this week. Um, we need leadership, we need authority, we need people to help us and encourage along the way because often what happens is that we in ourselves, in our self-autonomy, and maybe this is part of society and culture as well in which we live in, we're told that we are what we need. I am the center of the universe. My happiness and my joy and my direction is the way in which I would judge my decisions. And I see that working along young people, the, the way in which everything works around us in society is actually to serve yourself. You are the highest authority. You are the person who needs to be satisfied and, and everything is directed simply around the marketing and everything is directed around you as being the center of importance. And that's a really dangerous place because I think leadership for our next generation is gonna be really, really challenging when we think about it. Leadership, having saying to some young person, you need leadership, you need someone over you to help you and to lead you and to guide you, doesn't, is, re, is very different to what the messages they're hearing in the media. 
where they are the self-autonomous person. They alone make their decisions. And we have to be parents, especially as a parent of young children as well. Um, we need to build into them and a, um, an acceptance that they don't have everything they need. They aren't, haven't got the strength, the wisdom. I don't have the strength, the wisdom, the ultimate control over my situations to enable me to, you know, to, to rule and rule over my life. I just don't have that. And it's such a burden to have to think that you've got, you have to have everything in line yourself. But let me just read this, because the first place in which we submit to authority as Christians is to the Lord Jesus Christ. The first place in which Jesus calls out in terms of... Um, I guess being sheep is, you could say, is in Isaiah 53. And it's a very famous verse in which we often read at Easter time. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. The gospel message starts with the acknowledgement that we can't lead ourselves. The good news is that we don't have to lead ourselves. We can't make our way to the Lord Jesus. We can't make our way to the God the Father. We can't reach that. We are not perfect enough. We are not righteous enough. We try and we strive to do good works, but yet our sin covers that and iniquity stains it. We can't leave it ourselves in righteousness. And the only way we can is for the Lord Jesus to shepherd us and to lead us. And the way he does that, the way God did that for us, is by sending the Messiah, a leader, a shepherd, to lead us back from death into life. Psalms 23, we're very familiar with it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. We have this picture of a God out there who isn't far away, but is a leader, a shepherd, somebody who cares for the flock, the sheep who have gone astray and is leading them in life towards goodness and mercy. And that requires mission, doesn't it? If we are a sheep, and the sheep's going wayward, and the shepherd has to guide them back, the sheep needs to follow the leadership of the shepherd. And that's what Jesus does for us. Where else do we see this picture of a shepherd as God? We see it in Jesus Christ in John 10. John 10 says, The thief comes to steal and destroy, but Jesus came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Verse 11 says, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So again, we have this wonderful picture of God being the shepherd who not only is, is just there physically taking care of us, but he's come to give you life. He's come to give you life to the best, to the abundance. And that requires the sheep to follow his leadership. It requires them to submit and to recognize that they need the shepherd to lead them in their lives going forwards. So we have this picture of the Lord Jesus as our great shepherd. And I think Johnny next week is going to be preaching on that, so I won't steal his thunder. But uh, this week, out of whatever reason God does this, we don't know, out of his wisdom, God chooses to be the great shepherd, but he also chooses to have shepherds, humans, in the flock, among the people, to lead and to guide the local church. And that is what we're talking mainly about today, that as you choose to submit to the Lord Jesus, God also asks us to submit to local leaders and elders within the church. And I don't know, again, many of us, I'm, I'm very aware that some of us in, this, in the church now have, have gone through situations where we have submitted to church leadership and they have failed us or they have hurt us. And I'm very aware of that. 
And uh, there is maybe a distrust or a skepticism in leadership that we see. But I want to encourage you this morning, just as the Lord Jesus encourages us to submit our lives and to trust him, would you again choose to submit to the local leadership of this church as you are part of this family? And hopefully what I'm speaking about today will encourage you in that way. I want to start off with that leadership actually is, is, is talked about throughout the Bible. And in the New Testament, we often see leadership in the church in, through the writings of Paul and Peter. And Peter, re, oh, sorry, Paul writing to the Ephesian church, uh, early church in, uh, in the local area. And Ephesians 4 talks about leaders as being a gift to the people. Leaders being a gift. Uh, a gift to the local church to guide and to lead. And it says this in Ephesians 4.11. God gave apostles, he gave prophets, he gave evangelists, shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So there we have it. We have this idea that leaders are given, overseers, teachers are given, so that you grow in your faith in Christ, that you're built up as part of the overall church body. Um, And we see that in Peter's life, how Peter itself, the one who's writing this letter, was actually appointed by Jesus specifically to be an elder, to be a leader, to be a shepherd in the church. John 21, 5 says this. It says, Jesus, and you might know this well, you might remember the words of Jesus when Peter had failed in um, in in, in denying Jesus three times uh, before Jesus' death. Christ restores him three times as well and says to him, Simon Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter said to Jesus, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And what does Jesus say to him? He says, therefore, go and feed my sheep. And Jesus asks again, Peter, do you love me? And, Jesus, and Peter says, yes, Jesus, I love you. You know I do. And Jesus says to him, go, therefore, and tend my sheep. And the third time, he says again, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's grieved says, Lord Jesus, you know that I love you. Everything, you know everything, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, go therefore and feed my sheep. So leaders in the church, local elders, are first and foremost called to love the Lord Jesus, to know that they are loved by him and to love him. And Jesus calls them, therefore, to go and feed his sheep. God is the great shepherd, but God calls leaders to go and love and tend to the flock, to teach them, to feed them. And that is the position that, that is the place in which Peter's writing to the local elders. Peter himself is an apostle. He's walked with Jesus. He has this amazing kind of history being, you know, in, in, within Jesus' inner circle. He's walked with him. He's talked with Jesus. He saw, uh, in this passage, we see that, Jesus, that Peter actually saw Christ's suffering and also his glory, his resurrection in person. But Peter introduces himself not as an apostle, as being, oh, I'm, you know, Peter, number one on Jesus' kind of leadership list, he introduces himself as a fellow elder, as someone who's also loving the sheep, caring for them, looking out for the church. And it's in times like this when Peter writes to a suffering church that Peter knows that the suffering church, when they're in distress, when they're in trouble, what they need is leaders and elders to care for them and to show them again the glory and the wonder and the majesty of the hope of knowing Jesus Christ. And um, in this church, in Forest Town Church, we have a, a, a group of elders, uh, myself, um, Clive, uh, who's on holiday, and also Ant, and we act as elders and overseers. And that is the office, in a way, in which this church leadership works within this particular congregation, that we have elders who 
our shepherds who oversee what's going on and pr the primary leadership, you could say, of how this church will be, will, will be directed and go towards. And one of the principal ways in which we do that is obviously by meeting together and praying for you guys and, and loving you in individual ways. But one of the primary methods in which we lead the church is through preaching and through teaching uh, up front. And um, yeah, and that's what Peter does in this letter here. He's, he's teaching and exhorting the elders among us to continue in that office, to continue in the office of shepherding, in overseeing, and um, in being encouragement to the local church. Um, and sometimes we need that, don't we? When times come hard and times are difficult, what is the resource in which we draw back into? And often it would be the knowledge and truth of what you have been told and what you have been preached and what you've received in his word. That may have come through your own personal Bible study, and that's wonderful. But I think just in this latest season of COVID and um, coming out of this, and we just did this whole series on sex in the city and intimacy and things. I don't know about you, but personally for me, I felt so led by, by Anne and Helen and by Clive and other people in the leadership of this church. I'm not sure about you, but, you know, I don't know how we would have got through COVID without kind of brave, courageous leadership that brought this church through that season and is still bringing us through that season. Well, I don't know how I would have not been blessed if my, my marriage and my, my thinking about my children through this whole series of Sex and City, unless leaders had gone ahead, thought about what this congregation has needed and taught through it with integrity, with sensitivity, and with wisdom. And I'm sure all of us have experienced that kind word of encouragement, that speaking the truth in love that, um, that we have needed in the seasons that we have lived through and are in right now. So let's go back to the text, shall we? Let's go look at the text and see what it says that an elder is. And many of us here are not elders or have been elders or whatever, but all of us in some capacity have led or are leading. Maybe as a dad or a top, as a head of your family, or maybe in a school or in your workplace, you are leading. And some of the principles here are things that we can bring into the leadership spheres as well in which we operate in. But um, verse 2 says that this is the activities of what an elder is supposed to be. This is what your church leaders should be doing. The first thing they're supposed to be doing is to shepherd the flock. Shepherd the flock among you, exercising oversight. And the, the words that, that Peter uses here are words of, of verbs. They're active words. They're not just titles saying, oh, he's the shepherd. Look at, he's wearing shepherd clothing. It's not a person like they just look like a shepherd. They actually are doing the job and the work of a shepherd. Or they're exercising oversight. They're not just looking over and checking things out. They're actively overseeing, looking before, looking ahead, seeing things over it. And actually the picture of a physical shepherd is actually really, really helpful when we think about it. I'm not sure if any of you have spent time with sheep. Anybody here an expert in sheep? <laughs> Some of you maybe, but uh, if you've ever had the experience of sheep, often what they do is they run away from you, and they run away, and hopefully they're in within the pen and they're not going to kill themselves. But um, but yeah, I've, I've never had the chance of shepherding myself. But I hear it's very hard work, and it's they tend to just go and do what they want, and, and are off left when you want them to go right. And um, but what what Peter encourages the elders and the leaders of the church to do is to shepherd. Shepherding. Tending to the needs of the sheep, caring for them, watching out for them, helping them 
the weak and those who are tired. Um, again, Paul writes um, to instruct leaders in the Ephesus church in Acts 20, 28. And he says this, pay careful attention to yourself as an elder and also to the whole flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. You are to care for the church of God. Fierce wolves will come in among you and not spare the flock. Men speaking twisted things will draw them away. So work hard in this way. Help the weak. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus. So we see shepherds as being people who, firstly, are attentive to the flock. People who are among you, among you, knowing your ways, knowing your, what's going on in your lives, being part of your lives. I don't know about you, but there's this sense sometimes that leaders sit on this pedestal and are seated up here, and the only way to get them is through an appointment or through, you know, oh, let me check my diary in about two weeks' time or a month's time or whatever. Or they're seen as celebrities, or they're seen as people who are out of reach, out of touch. And that what actually we're called to be as elders and leaders in the church is to be among the people, first and foremost, to be actually one of the sheep. And I don't know, that's really helpful for me just to know that if you need help in leadership, that you, it's actually, you, the church leadership is available, first and foremost. They're not too busy away doing something else or you're less important. Actually, the primary role is to be among the sheep and to be among the flock. And they are to what? They are to care for the church of God. Paul talks about how there'll be fierce wolves Actually, just by being passiveness as a leader is not good because actively the world is aggressive towards you. There are messages that are being told to you day in, day out through media and through what you experience in life that the Word of God needs to be addressing those things. And the teachers of, up here on this pulpit need to be saying to you, actually, you know what? The Word of God says this. Culture is wrong about this. It's wrong about sex. It's wrong about intimacy. It's wrong about the way in which um, the world is teaching you about sex and all of those things. And that's what we've been doing for the last couple of months. Fierce wolves will come and devour you. They won't spare you. But the shepherd is there to defend you, to speak truth into your life. They are to work hard. They are to help the weak, those who are I'm just so glad we're able to pray for those who are sick. And you know, we get to hear a little about people who are suffering physically. And part of our role as the elders is, in James it says, the elders should go and they should pray for the sick. They should lay, anoint them with oil and lay hands on them. And that's an active part of what being a leader is, is to care for the lost and for the weak. So that's what a shepherd is. That's a picture that Peter gives us. The second picture is an overseer, somebody who watches over the sheep. Not just passively watching over, saying, oh, there's sheep number five. I think that's Joe. Oh, look, he's fallen down a hill again. He's rolled over. Oh, there's a sheep attacking Bill. That's a shame. Um, that's not what an overseer is. An overseer is somebody who, who, who preempts, who looks ahead and sees where the trajectory of the church is going or what's coming in and actively defends and puts into action they see, too, what needs to happen, not just look at and observe. And as parents, as a, as a parent of young children, and many of us here as parents, we know what that looks like, don't we? We look to our children. We look ahead and think, you know what? They, they, we need to put these things in place so that they can thrive. Or, oh, you know, that friendship's not very good for them. We need to help them understand how to be a good friend or how to love this person or how to help them grow in their faith. No, we're active in our teaching. We're active as parents in the well-being of our family members. And the same way, church leaders also need to be active and not passive. 
and look out for the needs and look out for the issues. And that's sometimes difficult, to be honest, because I don't know about you, I'm a stubborn person. And when someone speaks into my life and I hear maybe I receive it as criticism or I receive it as something that's challenging, that actually that's me, my self-autonomy, my self kind of, if people are loving me and speaking to my life, then surely I should heed their wisdom and give them an ear. And that is our choice as part of being the flock, that the church leaders will speak with courage, compassion, love and leading, patience and persistence. But as flock, as the flock, we have to choose to receive those and to walk in the ways in which God has given us. Not saying that church leaders are perfect in any way or, or, or have lived it all out perfectly, but all we do is hold up the word of God and present it and encourage and pray that God would speak to you. So that's it. That's, so that's what elders do. They, they exercise shepherding and they exercise oversight. Now, the question is, how do you know whether or not this elder is good for you? What is their motive behind? And that's the next bit that comes along in this passage in verses uh, 2 and 3 of 1 Peter 5. Um, as I said before, when we look at leadership generally, uh, we can often kind of summarize it as and kind of think about the leader up there, you know, the, the prime minister or the president or whoever it is that we, we look at and kind of think, I wonder what's motivating them. What is it really that they want? And many of us may be quite skeptical or be quite... Um, judgmental in that sense, and think, you know what, they're out for what they can get out of this. They're looking for power or authority. And I'm ashamed to say that probably a lot of them are. A lot of leaders which we experience are out there just for themselves or for their own good. But that is not what the church is called to be as leaders. And this is where Peter really needs to address three key things about leadership motivation. And maybe these are helpful for you in your areas of sphere and the work that you do. Verse 2 says this, Shepherd the flock that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you do it. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples. So there's three things that Peter lays out for us as we look at church leadership. Your leaders, firstly, are not to be under compulsion, but they are to act willingly. They're not to be out there for shameful gain, but they're to act eagerly. And thirdly, they're not to be domineering over those who you, in your charge, but be examples to the flock. And we're going to look through each of those three things now, just in reverse order, to see what the Lord speaks to us in that. But when, I, when we think about these, these, three, these three verses, these three stanzas, to just think about what is the motivation behind somebody who is domineering? What is the motivation for somebody who is out for shameful gain? What is the motivation for somebody who is out, acting out of compulsion? And then conversely, what is the motivation for somebody who acts willingly, who acts eagerly, and wants to be an example? So let's take the first one. Not domineering, but being examples. There's this wonderful verse in Mark 10, which talks about what church leadership looks like, or what good leadership looks like. And Jesus says this in Mark 10, 42. Jesus called together his disciples and said, you know that those who consider rulers and Gentiles lord over it, and the great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. Whoever wants to be great among you must first be your servant, 
And whoever would want to be first among you must be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to serve, come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So the first instruction that Peter gives to church leaders and those who are leading is not to be domineering, not to be forceful, not to use your strength to manipulate, to force the will of the sheep. Um, I think a lot of leaders would love that, wouldn't they? They can just flip a switch and then they would just do what they got to do and just obey as they got to obey. But that is not what uh, church leadership and what motivates your flock. What motivates them is when the leaders are people who are willingly encouraging, being examples, teaching and encouraging. As a church leader in this context and preaching, I can't make you do things. Um, I think church leadership in the past has tried to in different spheres. They tried to make the people do something or be something. But we act out of a heart of grace where we present the word of God to you. The Holy Spirit changes you from the inside and you live out a new life in Christ because of the fruit that is coming from within you. And that, that's what church leadership starts with. It starts with a gentleness. It starts with encouragement. It is somewhat, um, we have to be brave and we have to teach what is true and right, no matter what your opinions are, because the opinion of our Lord is more important. But at the same time, we do it not for the love of power or control, but for the love of the flock. Somebody who's domineering, what is their motivation? Their motivation probably is pride above anything. They want their way. They want what they want. But the motivation of a shepherd, of an elder, is through humble involvement. It's being with the people. It's encouraging daily. It's being in their presence and speaking the word in season. And I think, therefore, it's one where we see normally that the elders are just part of the flock as well. So that's the first thing, not domineering, but being examples. Domineering is motivated by pride, but um, being example is motivated by humble involvement. Number two, shameful gain, but eagerly. I always get this picture about these televangelists who say, you know, why don't you send $10,000 and we'll send you a balm of healing oil, which is specially being brewed in you know, my back garden. You know, we get these, these silly pictures, we laugh at them because they're absurd, aren't they? But what is the motivation behind a leader who is out for shameful gain. And effectively, it's greed, selfishness. What can I get from the flock? Rather than God instructs the elders and leaders to be people who can give to the flock for the joy and benefit. So shameful gain is motivated by greed and selfish gain. But Peter says, be eager, leaders. Be eager, be motivated by the gain of the flock. If the flock gains, if the flock grows, if they're healthy, the leaders are happy because that is what we've been called to do. It's for the joy and benefit of the church that you do well, not for selfish gain, money, status, or prestige. The third thing, leaders are to, elders are to be not under compulsion, but act willingly. Um, it's very easy in leadership, isn't it, sometimes when you get to the end of the day and things have been done and you just think, oh, you know, I don't know, that Monday morning, that Monday feeling is when you have to go back to work. Oh, I've got to start doing myself up again to kind of get into work next day. And um, especially when suffering and challenges come, don't they? When work, for example, isn't going well and you know you've got to lead that meeting or whatever, often the motivation is waning because we know it's a challenge. 
But what Peter encourages us to do is that we are to be people who um, are not lazy and not settle just for ease. It's very easy to do that in our leadership. It's very easy just to be, you know, I'll just take care of the little things I've got to do, but not actively work forwards towards the good of the flock. When sufferings and challenges come, it's easy to, uh, to recede rather than push back out and serve. And often, the heart of that, serving under compulsion, kind of that grudgingness, that kind of, oh, I've got to call that person, or, oh, no, that person's, like, calling me again. Um, it's often out of a heart of fear, isn't it? It's out of a heart of fear that actually that, you know, I don't really want to have to deal with this person right now, or I don't want to have to serve on a Sunday, or I don't want to have to kind of go to that meeting. And that's not what church leadership is called to be. They're called to be people who, first and foremost, are secure in Christ. When you're secure in Jesus, when you know that the pressure isn't on you, when you know that he is the great shepherd who's going to lead his people and lead them through still waters and restore their souls, it's not Edmund Chan or Ant Rist or Clive Case. We're here to just point you to the living God, to the Christ, to the good shepherd, and helpfully walk with you along some of those journeys. And that's a secure place to be as a church leader. And hopefully in our own leadership spheres as well, when we're leading song worship or whatever, it's not our responsibility to make sure that everyone's shouting and singing when we sing those songs. Or if you were leading a children's ministry, it's not your responsibility that these children are suddenly become, you know, know everything about the word and, and grow and things. It's your joy to walk alongside them and to encourage them. But the Holy Spirit is the one who does the internal change, does the nurturing awakens that joy of Christ in them. And we just get to observe that and serve with all our energy to see and walk alongside them. Isn't it a wonderful pressure just to take that pressure off us as leaders and as people in this, the leaders and those who serve in this church, that we can be people who are really secure in who we are in Christ and in doing so lead people towards that joy as well. So the church really needs leaders who are humble, who are motivated by humility, motivated by the the gain of the flock, and are secure in Christ. They don't need leaders who are prideful, who are greedy, who are fearful or acting out of fear. Because I think we know where that ends up, don't we? We know that fearful, greedy, prideful leaders will lead their flock towards joylessness and worldliness. That is what the world offers us. But leaders who are humble, leaders who are for the gain of others, who are secure in Christ, are joyful in Christ their Savior. And that is what we need in this church, in every church, is church leaders who are joyful, who do the work from the heart and the joy, first and foremost because they are joyful in Jesus and they're motivated by his glory and motivated by the good of the church. Um, Hebrews 13, just to close, says this. Um, make, as a flock, you speak, um, Peter is, oh sorry, the writer of Hebrews is writing to the flock. He's saying, be joyful, Make your, make your leaders work joyful, not groaning, because it will be of no advantage to you. Um, if I came out here on a Sunday morning and was kind of moaning and groaning and kind of, oh, you know, this is so bad, and oh, I love being here, guys, really I do, then, you know, what, what, does, what good is that for you? Or if Emma was here on a Sunday morning leading worship and songs, and she comes in and she's like, oh, no, 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 come on, let's sing, let's sing, everyone. You know, that isn't, that, she'd never be like that, would she? 
or, you know, Andrew serving barista and say, what coffee do you want right now? Come on. That is in no way in which you want. You, as a church flock, you want joyful, humble, secure leaders who will love you and serve you out of a place of security in Christ. So what does that mean for us? It means that the vision and the call of eldership is first and foremost to work for your joy. We're called to work so that you may have joy in Christ as well. Just as we've experienced the joyfulness and the security and um, the humbleness of what Christ has done for us, we also want you to experience that as well. And we do that through examples. We do that through caring, through teaching, and hopefully also just by being who we are and honest in Christ. So what does that mean for us as the flock? What does that practically mean for us? Firstly, it means, I, I hope it's come across that, we would ask you to submit to leadership. We would ask you to, to listen, to be part of this flock, to be people who engage with us, um, not just know about us, but also share your lives with us and we share our lives with you. But, and, and it means that submission means that we sometimes will have to listen to stuff that actually will challenge us and affect us and means that we don't acknowledge that we don't have it all up here. And I certainly don't have it all up here, or Clive or Anne would say the same thing. But at the same time, we're on this journey of wanting to hear the mind of Christ together. And being submissive to leadership means that we have to take that step and not be relying on our self-autonomous decisions sometimes. What else does it mean for us as a church? It means that, um, that under, under leadership, it means that sometimes your leaders will get it wrong. We're not perfect. And therefore, would you pray for us? Would you pray that the leadership of this church would be strong, would be united, where we would challenge each other, elders serve as a team, so that you know, we're not just a one-man band doing one thing in our own direction, but we're seeking wisdom from other people as well. Would you pray for that? We would be unified as an eldership team, and that would be for your advantage and for your good. Um, and lastly, I want to pray, or ask that you pray for yourselves, that whatever maybe leadership hurt that you may have experienced in the past, that God would bring healing. And that in this church body here, that you would experience humble, uh, joyful, um, secure leaders who you would know love you and are caring for you. And that you would be able to reach out and experience that. And that would bring a healing balm for you if you've experienced poor leadership in the past. Um, and lastly, the thing that all shepherds want to do, all elders and teachers and leaders want to do, is not for us to be the focus or the attention. What we want to do for you, all of you, if anything, is to lift up Jesus and ask you to look at him as the great shepherd. That's what Peter ultimately says. You are shepherds, you are under shepherds, pointing towards the chief shepherd, that the flock would find that their hope and their joy and their security will be found in Jesus. If you rely on people, if you rely on human leaders, if you rely on that as your, as, as your secure place, then we will fail you, unfortunately. You're meant to worship and to be shepherded by Christ. And he just puts human people in, in the journey alongside you to point you towards him. Leaders are to labor with joy because that's the same way in which joy, that, that's the same way in which God has led us. The God in heaven, the good shepherd, the shepherd of your soul is happily, joyfully, right now in heaven, looking upon you 
and loving you as a shepherd loves his sheep. And that is the picture that I want to leave you with this morning, that right now God is acting out of the fullness of his joy towards you. God is looking at you now and acting out of his full joy towards you. God is the example, the perfect example of somebody who happily, willingly, selflessly, actively is shepherding you towards green pastures, restoring your souls, guiding you, and ultimately promises in Psalms 23 that surely that goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life and that you will dwell in his house forever. And I pray that will be your experience, that if right now you're feeling tired or weary or your situations aren't in a place now where you're struggling to lead yourself or things, you know, I had COVID two weeks ago and I just, I just knew I needed my wife to help me and lead me. You know, we, maybe you're in a place right now that you're just feeling struggling right now. The elders are to come alongside you and want to lift you up and ha- give you again the view and the vision of having a living hope in Jesus Christ. And that would be satisfying for your soul. Why don't we pray? Why don't we um, close with that? But I just want to pray for us that those of us here who, who, yeah, have been hurt by church leadership in the past, I want to just pray that you would, God would be softening your heart again, allowing you to receive um, good leadership, loving leadership over your lives. So, Father, I thank you so much that you, first and foremost, are the good shepherd. And I, we know, Lord Jesus, that you, all authority has been given to you, all power has been given to you, and that you could lead us, Lord God, in an instance. But for some strange reason, Lord, you put local leaders in a church, you put elders in their place to love and to shepherd and to tend to the flock. And I pray, Lord, as, as fellow sheep in this flock, that we would love you. We would love you with all our hearts. We would honor you, Lord, of our lives. We would care for each other. We would look out for each other. And I pray for anyone here who's been hurt by church leadership in the past. I pray, for Lord, for healing. I pray, Lord, that they would look to you, they would look beyond the failures, but they would see the perfection of Jesus. And I ask God that as they do, that they would be able to be softened, they would soften, be softened again and receive good leadership in this community. I pray, Lord God, for the elders of this church as well. And as we strive to, to love and to shepherd the flock, that you would give wisdom. I pray for Aunt and Helen as they're on sabbatical, that you would restore them right now, lead them towards green pastures. Put a bountiful table, Lord, before them. They would experience your goodness and come back to us, Lord, in September with refreshed and renewed joy and hope and wisdom and vision. And for us here as members of this flock, thank you so much that we get to enjoy each other and enjoy the preaching of your word. Would you strengthen us, Lord, for the week ahead and lead us, Lord, in all paths of righteousness for your name's sake. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.